Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Page 1094, and we're reading from Acts chapter 2, beginning to read at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. As we stand, let me pray for us. We've sung, Heavenly Father, that you would occupy our lowly hearts, that you would own our heart and reign supreme in our lives. And so we pray now you would change us uh, to be the people that we should be to your praise and glory. Amen. Well, please do sit down. Let me encourage you, uh, if I may, to turn back in your Bibles to the reading uh, that we had earlier from Heather. Uh, Page 1094 is the page number, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. The other thing you might like to do is to uh, dig out the uh, the, uh, sermon outline. Now, I think most of you have got one of these, although wonderfully we've uh, run a little bit short of service orders. Now, that's a good sign on a Vision Sunday, isn't it? Uh, a few more people came at the first service and we've got all the youth in the second so wonderful to have you here so you might like to dig out that if you've got it if you like to follow along with those things let me also as I start apologise for my voice and uh, I'm not the sort of person who's very nice to be close to any of the time but especially not now Um, I uh, want to actually blame uh, Ben Cooper who stood here last week and said exactly the same and when he said it I was feeling fine so clearly he's given it to me Uh, But he's a man who likes to share things, so that's a good thing. As we're talking about vision all day long uh, today, here's a vision for us as a church. For us to be a loving community of believers where everyone is cared for by everyone else. So that whenever someone is in need, their need is met by the generous, sacrificial actions of others in the church family. For the public worship here to be vibrant times. Uh, as we together meet, centred around the sweet name of Jesus, so that meeting together would rarely leave us untouched. For there to be such a thirst for the scriptures among us that whenever we open this book, we are filled with awe and find our lives moulded into the likeness of Christ. And all of this together, so that when unbelievers, outsiders, non-Christians come in, they experience gatherings of great beauty and authenticity and they hear a message so faithful that as we reach out to them with the gospel, they want in. They want to be part of it. And so we see our numbers increasing every day. That's what we're talking about here today. But it's not my vision for the church that I've just laid out And it's not an unattainable pipe dream, it's what we find in Acts chapter 2. Now turn with me then to page 1094. 
And here we find a a beautiful little cameo of the spirit-filled church in Jerusalem. In the section before, Peter has just preached the first apostolic evangelistic sermon. And we read in verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people converted through one sermon. Can you believe it? And what follows then is a picture of those people gathering together of the church it's a picture of the church when the holy spirit draws people to christ and transforms men and women through the preaching of his word through the gospel verses 42 to 47 then are a summary of the church in jerusalem verse 42 tells us that that church were devoted to three things the apostles teaching the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer And those things are then further explained in the verses that follow. The apostles' teaching is further explained in verse 43. The fellowship in verses 44 and 45. And the breaking of bread and prayer in verses 46 and 47. And so very simply, as we look through this little section this morning, God will set the vision for what our church should be like. Before we do look at these verses, though, a word of caution. I often hear people say, I long for us to be like the New Testament church. I long for us to be a a first century Christian church. And as I ask them what they mean by that and what that would look like, with starry eyes and rose-coloured spectacles, they describe a perfect church. Now, look, I'm all for aiming high. I hope you've just seen that on this vision-setting day. If we can't aim for something big, then, well, we never will. But beware the romantic picture of the early church. Read through the book of Acts, as we will do over these next few weeks, and indeed uh, read through the rest of the New Testament as well, and we see the early church has its problems. Here in the church in the first century, as I put on the handout there, we saw rivalries, hypocrisies, immoralities, and heresies, uh, not to mention the persecution that the church had to endure. So as we look at this wonderful little picture of the early church, we mustn't assume that it was perfect or that being part of it would have been easy. Having said that, this was a church that was wonderful to be part of, or not least of all, because it was marked by one big attitude, and that attitude is in the word there in verse 42, devotion. They were devoted to three things. They were devoted, firstly, then, if you're still following on the service order, down towards the bottom of page one. That's good, isn't it? Down to the bottom of page one already. We're getting through this quickly. Devoted to the apostles' teaching. The apostles were authenticated by miracles. That's the point, actually, of verse 43. And if you want to look it up later, you can look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, the marks of an apostle are signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, we saw last week, as Ben was preaching from chapter 1, verses, chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, we saw that an apostle is someone who was around when Jesus was on earth and someone who witnessed Jesus' resurrection. So there are no apostles around today, but like the church in Jerusalem, we can still be devoted to the apostles' teaching because we have their teaching here in the New Testament. And I do love that word devoted. The church in Jerusalem was not just happy to engage with the sermon, or indeed to have a quick five-minute Bible reading each day, that they were dedicated to the apostles' teaching. Whenever I read this, it makes me think of someone from a previous church. His name is Chris. Now, Chris was a preacher's delight. He'd sit in the front row, 
with a notebook in hand and whenever you were preaching, he'd look up at you and smile and nod in all the right places. Brilliant. Please do the same. (laughs) But what was really most wonderful was the way Chris was dedicated to the apostles' teaching. I remember him coming up to me one Sunday uh, evening and saying, thanks for the sermon this morning. As a result, I'm going to, and then he listed the things he was going to do. He told me how he's going to respond to the Bible passage that we looked at earlier in that day. And he did that on more than one occasion. And it became clear to me, without him ever saying it, that Chris spent Sunday afternoons thinking through the sermon. And as I say that, I can imagine some of you saying, well, that's all very well for Chris, whoever he was, but I have a busy life. And before you think that, let me tell you that Chris, at the time, still had five children living at home, one of whom was disabled. Now, life wasn't easy for Chris and his wife, Eileen but he was devoted to the apostles' teaching. And the best thing of all was the way Chris's life was so full of love for others and for his Lord. It wasn't, you see, about filling his mind with information, but seeing a transformation of his life. He applied the truth of God's word to his life, and it changed him in being someone who loved God and loved others. And that is exactly what we see in this little passage, simply that. Beginning with devotion to God's word and verse 43, receiving God's word with awe, what followed was devotion and love to God and to his people. And again, I think that's very important to underline. When uh, talking about Bible teaching, I have often heard people say, oh, I'm not intellectual, I'm not an academic. Let me say, neither am I. I just got five O levels and four of those at grade C. I'm not an intellectual or an academic. You don't have to be to be devoted to the scriptures. Uh, Being devoted to the scriptures is not about just academia or intellectualism. It's about a life changed through the mind, addressing the mind which affects the heart, changing the life. A life that is transformed to love God people and to love God himself. Devotion to the apostles' teaching then leads to devotion to one another. See verse 42, they were devoted to the fellowship. We're over the page on the handout if you're still with me. Uh, Now that word fellowship and that devotion to the fellowship is expanded for us in verses 44 and 45. Let me read those verses. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. We've rather weakened this word fellowship these days. We say we've enjoyed fellowship with others when we've had a cup of coffee with another Christian. Here it is so much more than that. The word fellowship is the word koinonia, and it can mean two things in the New Testament. John Stott says it's what we share in and what we share out. Firstly, what we share in. Fellowship is what is, is found in what we believe in now you can chase that up later i put 1 john chapter 1 verse 3 on the handout Um, and this is of course why it comes straight after the apostles teaching when we all agree in what they taught then we have fellowship with one another believing the same things believing the gospel truths of the bible brings unity and that's a brilliant thing i still remember the first time i experienced this i'd not been a christian long I was working in the newspaper industry and I started wearing a little cross on the the, the lapel of my jacket so that people would know I was a Christian. And one lunchtime I went into town uh, just to look around the shops and 
And I, I went into one shop and a shop assistant, a guy there I'd never met before, seeing the lapel badge, said to me, are you a Christian? I said I was. He said he was too. And we got chatting and in fa- a fairly short conversation, it was as if we'd known each other for ages. We had a unity. We had fellowship because we believed in the same things. Fellowship comes from what, is sh- what we share in. But here in Acts chapter 2, Luke is actually emphasising the second meaning of fellowship, what we share out. Now, fellowship, koinonia, is the word used for the collection Paul was organising among the Greek churches for the benefit of the poverty-stricken churches in Judea. Indeed, that is the way used, it is used most in the New Testament. And that's the thing Luke is emphasising here. Look again at verse 40, 44 and 45 and you see that. What is this fellowship? All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. See, being devoted to the fellowship didn't mean the Christians in Jerusalem were, were committed to meeting up at Starbucks. It meant that they got out their wallets, purses and credit cards whenever anybody else was in a financial need. It meant them putting their possessions on eBay and then giving the money that they raised to others. And it meant them sharing the things they had, counting nothing their own, but being pleased for others to borrow whatever they had. You want the lawnmower? Use my lawnmower. Treat it as your own. Incidentally, I was just saying what they would have said, but you can use mine if you want to. That's verses 44 and 45. Now, I reckon these are pretty disturbing verses for our materialistic and individualistic culture. Well, let me tell you what this doesn't mean. It doesn't mean they sold everything they had. It doesn't mean that none of the Christians owned their own houses. We know that wasn't the case because in verse 24 we read that they broke bread in their homes. So they clearly hadn't sold their homes and all their furniture. But still, this is disturbing because they were an incredibly generous church family and of course a spirit-filled church will be a generous church generosity has always been a characteristic of the people of God for our God is a generous God he is lavish in his generosity he was generous in creation he gave us life isn't life good and in giving us life giving us such a spectacular world to live in with all the, um, the abundance of experiences we enjoy. Think of all the flowers, red poppies so delicate they fall to pieces if you pick them, daffodils like gold, sweet peas that can fill a garden with Chanel number five. That's how Julian Hardiman puts it, and I put that on the handout there. Think how good life is, the exciting thrill of a sporting fixture, the moving experience of a concerto, the breathtaking beauty of a sunset. God is a generous God. He not only gave us life, he's given us a wonderful life. And the most beautiful thing of all, he gave us relationships with each other and the greatest relationship of all with him. We see how generous God was in creation. We see it even more in redemption, in him buying us back. God gave himself in the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave himself to death on the cross, as we remember, every week. To die for us. To die for us sinners who'd ignored him all our lives. To bring us back into relationship with him. 
You see, that's what Peter had been preaching about in Acts chapter 2. That's what the Christians in Jerusalem had responded to. The gospel was at the heart of the apostles' teaching. This glorious good news that God is so generous. And it's that which is always the motivation for Christian generosity. When we see what God gave for us, we can't but be touched by his generosity if we've really got it. We can't but want to love others because at the heart of God is love for others. Now, in so many ways, that's what Vision 2014 is about. It's about a generous response to the gospel so that we can be sure that more and more people know this God who is so generous, know him personally, know his love for themselves. The Christians in Jerusalem loved one another so much They cared for their impoverished brothers and sisters, so they shared with them whatever they had. It's thrilling to hear of that happening here between us. Uh, When people are in need, others caring for them in the most spectacular ways, it's a great thing to hear of. I visited someone earlier this week who's been through the most difficult last few weeks, and they spoke very uh, wonderfully about the practical loving support of the church family. It's a great thing. Uh, No, we're not perfect. Uh, We're not there yet, but it is happening, and we strive to do more and more of that here. But we also want to do it beyond ourselves. Uh, So two years ago, we sent people from here with our Minister of Evangelism, David Middleton, to the church in Gleadless Valley, to an area of the city far less wealthy than us, to a church which wouldn't have their own minister because they couldn't afford to, And we continue to pay a large part of David Middleton's salary. The same is true of the church in Kendray, in Barnsley, in Kilnhurst, just outside Rotherham. Uh, Two areas considerably less well off than forward. Over the past years, we've paid almost the entire cost of the minister's salary in Kendray. And over half of the minister's salary in Kilnhurst. And all three of those churches are growing wonderfully. People becoming Christians. Growing in Christ. It's right that we're like that, isn't it? Isn't that what this is saying? Generous with one another and generous with those who have less than us. Well, devoted to the apostles' teaching led to devoted to one another and thirdly, it led to them being devoted to God. We see that in verse 42. They were devoted to the breaking of bread and prayer. Now that is filled out for us in verses 46 and 47. Let me read verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. The breaking of bread is a reference to the Lord's Supper, to communion. And we can see that, that in verse 46, we read that they broke bread and ate together. Two things. The eating together, just as we might eat with friends, uh, but the breaking of bread, a particular thing to remember the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. In short then, as they met together, they remembered Jesus and his death centrally whenever they met. The cross of Christ was heart and centre of their meetings. And they were devoted to meeting together. Uh, Prayer, the word prayer in verse 42 is more literally the prayers, alluding to prayer services or prayer meetings or meetings just like this. And we see that in verse 46, they met in the temple as well as in their homes, in the big group and in the small group, uh, just like we do. 
but they met in the temple because, as we saw from verse 41, there was more than 3,000 of them in the church in Jerusalem. They needed a bigger space to meet in than if they were meeting in their homes. If they were all going to meet together, they needed the big space. Some of you might remember that a few years ago, the PCC asked me to attend the Global Anglican Futures Conference in Jerusalem. What a privilege it was to be involved with that. And there were more than a thousand people at that conference from all over the world. And one day we went to the site of the temple. I remember well being uh, standing there with a thousand people at the, what's now called the Wailing Wall. And let me tell you, there was plenty of room for many more. Indeed, the preacher and writer Chris Green believes that 20,000 Christians may have met in the temple on occasions. It was that big. So they met in the big group in the temple and they met in small groups in each other's homes, verse 46. And again, I love that they were devoted to those times and just turn up when they wanted to because they were family, committed to each other. They wanted to be together. They wanted to learn together from the apostles They wanted to be with their brothers and sisters in Christ. They wanted to praise their God together. Devoted to the apostles' teaching led to them being devoted to each other and devoted to their God. And see what all that led to in verse 47 at the end. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you see, when this is lived out, other people want to be in on it. Because it's so different from anything you'll get in the world when people are living like this. When people are converted, when the Spirit of God changes people through the Word of God, then the Church of God becomes a most attractive place to be. As we generously give to others as they have need, as our worship becomes vibrant, being among us will be a beautiful thing. And so others will want to be part of that. And so they will join us and they will hear the word of God and they will be converted. And so it will go on. More people will want to come in. And so the Lord keeps adding to his church. Yeah, then it was daily. May it be daily here. That's the vision for this church. For us to be a people that others want to be part of. I'm told we have a reputation of being a Bible teaching church. Great, that's here. But I'd love it too if we had a reputation for being a loving church, that when people came among us, they say they really do love one another. And for our times together to be very real, a deep experience, moving experiences of meeting with God, for people to leave here saying, surely God is among them. But on this vision setting day, that's not enough. Because while we want everyone in Fullwood to know God, we can't stop there. We want everyone in this city to know God. And because we can't reach everyone in this city from here, we want to keep planting churches all over the city, churches like this one in Acts chapter 2. And we want to train leaders who will lead the churches we plant and who will go to other parts of the country and all over the world to lead other churches to be like this and to plant more churches themselves. Planting churches, training leaders, growing forward. That's our vision. And today, motivated by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're asking, will you consider giving more, as much as you can, so that we can see this vision become a reality uh, for the good of others and for the glory of God? But we're going to pray together now. And uh, 
Jim Crosley, who's a church uh, leader here, who's one of our uh, church wardens. He's going to lead us in our prayers of intercession. Thank you, Jim.